Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Well, it is good to be here, and I do bring greetings from New Life Church in Warrnambool, uh, where we've been part of for quite a few years, and uh, just looking forward to being able to share with you today. I've been encouraged because some of the words of the songs and some of the things that were shared by Jess at Communion, uh, I believe fitting into where God wants us to go this morning with what I, I'm going to share in Philippians chapter 2, there's a word, and I haven't given this to the, the folks, so it's not on the screen, but in Philippians chapter 2 it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to both declare his purposes and to energise you to carry them out. This morning I just want to share a few thoughts this, this sounds very loud to me. Is it too loud for you? Can that just come down a little bit? That'd be good. I want to share a little bit about the workings of God uh, and specifically one of the workings of God that I have heard alluded to a number of times this morning, but uh, it's coming from more of a personal position of myself, how God has worked it in me. I came to know Jesus when I was 11 years old and uh, over those years he has worked in my life. Derek Prince says this, it's tremendously important in the spiritual life what we focus our mind on. We can't think right and live wrong. We can't think wrong and live right. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So the decision to think on the right things is critical. Thinking on the right things is critical. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, uh, verses that I want us to be able to look at this morning. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philip's translation has it in a slightly different way, and I like the way that Philip's puts it. It says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould, but let God remould your minds from within, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Let God remould your mind from within. In the Old Testament, we have the words that a lot of people would know quite well from Proverbs chapter 3 where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. What I see when I look at Romans chapter 12, and when I even think of those words from Proverbs, is that 
it is necessary for God to be able to remould our minds. We need a new way of thinking. We all grow up with what is called a worldview. And a worldview is just how we look at things, how we understand things. We develop our worldview. It's not something we consciously work at, but it's how we grow up. It's absorbed from our family life, from our friends, from our school life, from church, events that happen in our lives. Our our cultural environment that we grow up in creates unconsciously within us, we're not aware we develop this worldview, but each one of us has a way of looking at things. In the Old Testament, it's referred to as leaning on our own understanding. But it's how we see things. To explain it uh, in, a, in a practical way, I grew up in a very strong evangelical biblical church and I'm, I thank, I'm thankful for what was built into my life over the years. But I grew up in a denomination, not, not the CRC, I grew up in a denomination that believed that the gifts of the Spirit and miracles died out when the church got their Bible. And so that was, that, that was my worldview in those situations. That's how I thought, well, when I saw people who said they were baptised in the Spirit and they spoke in tongues, I said, well, that's not for today. That's of the devil. That's where I was thinking from my own mind. And then God baptised me in the Spirit and I spoke in tongues and I laid hands on people and they were healed and they were delivered. I thought, this is contrary to what I believe. How can this be happening? And um, this is how it worked for me. For 12, 18 months, perhaps even two years, I went before the Lord saying, Lord, you need to change my thinking. This is what I've believed all my life and now I'm experiencing these things that shouldn't be happening. (laughs) God took a time, it was a good 18 months, two years, to transform my mind. I went through the scripture from cover to cover. I said, Lord, I have to be convinced that what is ex- I'm experiencing and, and, and what you've done in me is right because it was contrary to my worldview. And so God had to remould my mind from within. He had to change the way I thought about it. And it's that change that takes place in us that I really want us to think about this morning. Jess talked about it at communion time where she was struggling understanding one particular aspect and and God brought revelation to her and understanding. And and that's the change that I believe I just want to be able to share with you this morning. The renewing of our minds is absolutely essential, but how does it happen? How does God remould our minds? Well, I'm convinced of the way that he did it for me. And in Psalm 119 and verse 130, it says, The entrance of your word brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your word. In Romans chapter 10, we have 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by a word from God. So change, I believe, only occurs because of an action of God. God does something. I can't change my mind. I can't do it myself. I want to explain it in this way to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. And Paul uses two very important words here. He talks about being veiled and being blinded. The word veil means to cover, to put a covering over, to conceal, to throw something over it. And so what we see here is, first of all, the enemy has thrown a cover over the minds of people. And then he uses the word blinded. And that means to obscure with smoke, to blind or to darken. You see, it doesn't matter how bright the light is, if you're blind, you can't see it. You could be surrounded by tremendous manifestations of God's glory and blessings. You, there could be miracles happening in front of you, but if you're blind, you won't see it. And that, I believe, is what we see in the, the lives of the Pharisees and the scribes. They were seeing the same things that everyone else was seeing. They were hearing the words that everyone else was hearing, but Jesus said they're blind. They're blind leaders of the blind. They didn't see it because their minds were darkened. There was a cover over their thinking. The easiest way to understand it, I brought my camera along, and this is certainly how I understood it. I, I've got a tremendous camera here. The things that it can do, and uh, I've been able to take photos of the moon, and when I've taken photos of the moon, I've been able to look right down into the craters of the moon and I can see tremendous, you can know, see the shadows uh, of the craters. And I'll just see if I can switch it on. And it has a tremendous capacity with a lens so that I can take tremendous photos. I can get to this close to flowers and I can take tremendous photos of the flowers one of the things that I've discovered I can do, I can put my camera down on the floor, I can take a photo of the pile of the carpet. That's what this camera can do. But the trouble is, as amazing as this camera is, it doesn't work if I don't take the lens cover off. So it doesn't matter what I'm pointing the camera at, if I don't take the lens cover off, I can't take a photograph. And I believe that, that that helped me understand what it's talking about when a person's mind can be veiled or covered over by something so they can't understand what God wants them to see. Turn that off. See, in Ephesians chapter 1, and I'd encourage you, you've been encouraged to read Galatians chapter 3, but I'd encourage you to read, go home and read Ephesians chapter 1 as well. <clears throat> it's a tremendous passage. But in, in that passage, and uh, if you can just slip that one off before for a moment, 
But in chapter 1, we have a tremendous verse where it says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's none been left out. And then Paul goes on to explain what those blessings are. There are 11 of them in 11 verses. These are the blessings of God. Now, you might be familiar with them, but I just want to share what these blessings are. It says God has chosen us. God has adopted us as his children. We've been accepted in the beloved. We have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus. We have received forgiveness for our sins. We have been we have experienced the abounding grace of God. God has revealed his will to us. We are part of the end time gathering. We have received an inheritance. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we have God's promise that he'll complete what he started. Now, there are 11 blessings that God has blessed us with there. Tremendously, we, we are blessed. And, and Paul has said, this is how God has blessed you. But then the amazing thing is, he goes on and he, he, he follows this long list of all these blessings with a prayer. And he prays that God would tell them how he's blessed them. Now, Paul has already said, this is how you are blessed. But he prays for them to receive revelation because what Paul was saying shows here is there's two ways of knowing things. We can have information up here. We can have understanding, revelation in our spirit. And so Paul has spelt out clearly for them, these are all the ways God has blessed you. And he prays, I want you to know how God has blessed you. I want you to receive the revelation. And so in verses 17, he says, I pray that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of your calling. I see that as significant. Paul has listed down all the ways God has blessed them. He says, but I don't want it just to be stuck up here in your mind. You need revelation to see, to really see how God has blessed you. When Paul spoke of being enlightened, he used a Greek word, which is fotidzo. Fotidzo. And it's where we get photo and photograph from. It's the same word that, that our words for photography and photograph comes from, photizo. And photizo means to let the light in, to be illuminated. So Paul was saying, you've got these, you might have this information up here in your mind. You've got it all listed down, but I want God to let the light in so that you can experience what it is that God has for you. When you take a photo, the shutter opens and the light comes in and imprints a photo, the image, onto a film or a digital 
thing. I don't know what you call it, but it's in, in my camera. So you, you, you take a photograph. If the shutter doesn't open, there'll be no image. There'll be nothing to see. Doesn't matter how beautiful I wanted to take the photo. If, the, if I don't open the, press the button because the cover has come off, nothing will happen. And it's like that with our human spirit. It doesn't matter how wonderful the Lord Jesus is. It doesn't matter how tremendous salvation is and, and what he did for us. If the light hasn't shone into our hearts from God, then it means nothing. See, people can quote things, they can say things because they've learnt them. But if they haven't experienced them, it's a totally different thing. The information relates to the mind. Revelation affects the mind, but it comes to us through our spirit. I don't know if you sing a song, it goes back a long way, but we, we often sing it, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, you know, that's what it is. We want God to open the eyes of our heart. Now, it's got nothing to do with our physical organ, the heart. We know our heart doesn't have eyes. But we're saying, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Let light come into my spirit so that I can see the truth of these things. As we absorb the truths of God's word, or it might be better to say as the truths of God's words infiltrate us and affect us, then we begin to see what God wants us to see. As a personal example, it was like this. I had a lady in my church when I was a student pastor, right back in 1971. She came to me and she said, Graham, do you believe in divine healing? I said, of course I do. It's in the Bible. And then she was sneaking. She said, I want you to pray for me to be healed. Now, that was totally different. I believed in divine healing because it was in the Bible. She wanted me to pray for her. What if it didn't work? I understood and I accepted it up here. I believed, oh, yeah, it's in the Bible, so it must be true. And I did something that I would never do, I'd never done again. But in a panic, I said to her, I'll fast and pray for three days and then I'll pray for you. Why I needed to fast and pray for three days, I have no idea. But that's, that's the first thought that came to my mind. And, and I, I spent three days fasting and praying, God, she wants me to pray for her to be healed. But what God did was he took me into his word, specifically Isaiah 53, but many parts of the word of God, and showed me that healing for our bodies and our spirits and our emotions and our personalities, total healing, full salvation is ours in Jesus. That that was what he accomplished on the cross. Now, it was different now. Not only did I believe it up here, but God has shone his light on the truth of his word into my heart. So I went and prayed for this lady and she got miraculously healed and delivered and, and it all, you know, it, it happened. But see, the thing was, it had gone from here to my heart, to my spirit, because God had spoken to me clearly from his word. 
And so that's, uh, the people at New Life know that no matter when, whatever I'm preaching on, uh, I'll convince them, I say, you've got to get into the Word of God and get the Word of God into you. And I encourage them, we have what we call soap readings, where we, we encourage people to read the Bible every day and to journal and write down their observations of how God has been speaking to them. And I will regularly say, you need to be in the Word of God. The Word of God needs to be getting into you. Because you see, that's how God has done it for me. Over all the years, he has spoken to me in his word, through his word. Just as another example, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, we have these statements, which are biblical statements. They're doctrinal statements of our standing in Jesus. Where it says, and I'll t- if you can put that word up again, that'd be, that'd be great. Knowing this, that our old nature was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Knowing this. Now, we can know that as a doctrinal statement because it's true. And I knew it as a doctrinal statement for quite a while. And, uh, but I used to struggle with my old nature. There was a struggle going on. I read these words just recently. And uh, I just want to share them with you. This is written by a Christian author. We seek to do right and still so often we do wrong. We struggle against selfishness, self-seeking sin, sometimes winning, other times not. Guilt haunts us and doubts assail us. And we cannot help but wonder, even worry, is the Lord's grace enough? Is his love enough for such a stumbling one as us? There was a struggle. As a a young Christian, I used to be like that. I could quote Romans (laughs) 6.6, but I found that it didn't work for me. It didn't matter how much I quoted it. I could quote it and quote it and quote it, but it, it didn't help me until God showed me the truth of that word and spoke it into my heart so that now I can say, knowing this, that my old nature is dead. And I have new life in Jesus. And it changed it so much for me. You might ask, but how did it happen? Again, the only thing I can say is God spoke that truth into my spirit. I want to encourage you, spend time in God's word. Allow him to shine his light onto whatever he wants to talk to you about. We have a need to be soaked in God's word. So the spirit of God can take his word of God and apply it to our spirits. There's so much you can say in this whole area. But the important thing is that we allow God to take a verse or a statement or a fact or a truth that we can quote and make it real in our life. The Bible is full. There are hundreds and hundreds of promises in God's word. 
But we don't see them come alive in us just by quoting them. You can quote a verse as often as you like, but unless God has shone his, his, his spirit into the, and set that alive in you, it's just like saying something over and over again, but it doesn't work. One example that comes clearly to my mind is that um, Elaine and I were on a cruise ship back in 2020 in January <laughs> when, when the news of the coronavirus was shared and uh, we'd had 21 days on a ship on the Princess Lines. <laughs> so you can see, and, and we were told about coronavirus. Now, I didn't get into a panic I could have got into a panic and thought, coronavirus, I could catch it, I could die. Where is a verse in the scripture that might help me and go looking for it? Which is what some people do sometimes. But you see, what God did was he spoke into my spirit with a word that I knew so well from his word. And out of Psalm 91, he just said, no plague will come near your dwelling. And it was so strong, I didn't have to work myself up into it. I didn't try to convince myself. God said, no plague will come near your dwelling. So I could rest in that with a confidence because God had shone his light into my spirit. And you can do that with so many issues in life. I want to encourage you. I felt God said, as I come to share with you today, just to encourage you to allow him to speak into your spirits. There is so much he wants to share with us. I don't set myself up as a super saint or anything like that. I'm just an ordinary child of God. But God wants to share his word with every one of us so that it's alive. Because you see, the word of God is alive. It's a living word. And so why shouldn't it be speaking to us? It's the living word of the living God. And it pulsates with life, his life. And that life is limitless and eternal. And so we should expect God to speak to us from his word. As closing, D.L. Moody says, the Bible was not given to us to increase our knowledge but to change our lives. And God does that by speaking it into us. So let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that your word is living. That's sharper than any two-edged sword. You're able to get right into our spirits, Father, and into our souls and into our minds, and you can speak a word of life into us. And I thank you, Father, that's what you delight to do, because that's who you are, the God who has made himself known to us. And I thank you, Father, as each one of us here spends time with you and in your word, that you'll open up our eyes to see wonders that perhaps we've never seen before. Thank you, Father, that you say in your word, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings.
And Father, you want us to be that kind of person, not just to quote a scripture, but to bring good tidings, living words to people. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with you today. And I don't know whether, I don't know you, <laughs> so I don't know if there's anybody here who's never met Jesus yet. But I want to encourage you, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, He wants to draw you into that relationship today. If you need prayer in any way, then please come forward. There's a team here that will pray for you. That God would touch you in the area that you need to be touched. But let's close with a time where we can worship God and thank Him for what He's done.